Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Hockey. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show with a side of Declan, as always. And uh, Dex, despite the fact the Wild's been done for, what, a month now or so, plenty to get to in the uh, world of the Wild, starting with the news that I guess it doesn't come as a surprise when you think about it, but... It came as a surprise timing-wise on Monday, and we are uh, recording this on Tuesday, or on Wednesday. It came on Tuesday. Jonas Brodin, seven-year contract extension, which is going to run through the, um, what, 27, 28 that sounds season, correct. I believe. Longest, yeah. $42 million, and it's going to kick in in 21-22. He's going to play under the terms of his old contract, which had a year left this coming season, but the important thing to make note of is immediately into the contract, including the old one, is a no-move clause. Classic. All right. So, <laughs> um, Brodeen is a very solid, very good defenseman, and this is probably a wise move. All of that being said, I think it creates a ton of clarity in the sense that I don't know how Matt Dumba now does not get traded. If if Bill Guerin can find the type of center that he wants, and that is an if, so yeah. it's not a given because those guys certainly don't grow on trees and are hard to find. But if Bill Guerin can identify the center that he wants in a very small group and he is uh, going to have to make a trade for that player, that player is not going to come via the free agent market because the list of guys who are available at that position just is not that good. Uh, Matt Dumba has to be the centerpiece of that trade. Debate me, tell me I'm wrong, but I don't see a logical I don't see a logical conclusion that doesn't have that being the case. Right. I I'm with you. I think that the writing on the wall now is Matt Dumba has played his last game for the Wild. Um I think it would it's probably a 70-30 chance that 70% he's traded, 30% chance he's on the ice um on opening night for this next season which we actually still don't know when is <laughs> it's going to happen. Right. Um I think it, it, it it's very clear now that Brodeen, who had calls received on from other GMs that Bill Guerin alluded to, and I don't deny that. I mean, any team would love Jonas Brodeen. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's very, oh, yeah, yeah. He's no, he's very, very he's good. He's very, very good. Yeah. So I think what it tells me is, yes, people called Guerin and said, what would you give me for Brodeen? Hey, well, what about this? What about this? And I'm sure Guerin said, well, I'll, I'll trade him to you, but I need this in return. And I'm sure both those, most of those teams balked and said, well, I, I can't give you my number two center for Jonas Brodeen straight up, blah, blah, blah. But I do think Matt Dumba does garner that attention. 
at least he pushes the needle more towards the direction of getting you the top-line center. So Garen looked at it and said, okay, one of these two dudes is going to have to probably go. And if Brodeen's the guy we want to lock up and we feel more comfortable with building around, mm-hmm. and if Dumba's the guy that can actually get us the number one center that we're, or top six center that we're looking for, then that's the play we have to make. And look, Dumba, I think, has turned his life around tre- tremendously in a, as a pro. He's grown I up. I mean, grown up a ton. He's been on our show before. Um, I know this is probably the second straight King Clancy winner, and everyone's making a big fuss over that. At the end of the day, this is a business, Judd. Like, I, I, yes, he's a great human being. Jason Zucker, great human being. Like we we all yeah, know that's that. Not okay. The here, yeah. So, <laughs> yes, is it unfortunate? Like somewhat bad PR. I don't really think so. I think it's just more of a coincidence that it just happened to the Wild the last two years. But yeah, I think Matt Dumba is gone. I think he's gone. And I think he has to be. He has to be gone because you can't you can't even protect him right now unless you wanted to go the yeah. eight you want you wanted to go the well, eight skater route, which you shouldn't do. This conversation previously was this: Brodeen or Dumba's gone. Yeah, because you've got. Spurgeon, really good, no move. Suter, still reliable and good. Still good. But more importantly, no move. Oof. Right? Yep. And and so as you look at this list now, it really be- became a strength of this team is not its forwards right now. The strength of this team from which you could subtract to improve up front is on defense. And so... Before Tuesday, this entire conversation rotated around Brodeen or Dumba's gone. And I do think that they went to Brodeen and said, seven years, 42. Take it. And if if you won't, because if he hadn't taken the offer, he would have been going in the last year of his contract. Then I think he clearly gets traded. But he took it. And so if you're going to go get Nylander from Toronto or and what would, we did that about a month ago or so. Sorelli. Sorelli from Tampa, who's yeah. a restricted free agent. But we went through the entire list, and these are not unbelievable great centers, but they are good, mm-hmm. and they definitely would ascend, I think, to being the top center on the wild. If you're going to get one of those guys, you can't go to them and say, yeah, you know, I, I know Jordan Greenway has been a bit disappointing so far, but you'll want him. Now, that does not mean that Conan or Greenway wouldn't get included in a trade for said player. They might. But you do need that marquee piece. And and as disappointing statistically, I think, as 2019-20 was for Dumba, when you look at him and what he can bring and what he did previously as far as the ability to rush the puck, to shoot the puck, yes, there are times when we all moan and groan because he gets caught or makes a defensive mistake. All of those things being said, he is a right-handed shot defenseman, which Mm -hmm. are hard to find. There are a lot of things that say now, with Brodeen signed here, seven years, no move. Spurgeon, no move. Suter, no move. The only logical player on this team who is a who is a marketable piece. Because, like, I can try and trade you, Dubnik, okay? And Conan might be... a nice player, but there's nobody who's going to say, yeah, you know what? That's a, a good trade. We'll take Luke and, and you take Nylander back. It's not going to happen. Right. So I just, by process of elimination now, Dex, yeah. I am now down to Matt Dumba is gone. And, and the, o- the only caveat to that statement is this one. If Garen puts Dumba now on the market and makes calls and there's back and forth, 
I think he is too smart of GM to take a center who he has questions about that are legit questions. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't think Dumba gets traded for a guy who a year from now we say, what a terrible trade this guy is. He might be a top six. I do think that Garen is going to hold out for a guy that he perceives the day that he gets to this team can be atop the depth chart and knock Stahl down to the second center. Exactly. And that's what that, and that's what you want. And if Bukestad is indeed going to be a center, and I know he can play wing, but I, I view him as a center. I that that that's I think what his spot will be when camp opens and when the season hopefully does open at some point. I view him as a center. You're probably third line center. And all of a sudden if you get a, a top line guy down the middle, if if you indeed get a Sorelli or Nylander, and now down the middle you have, let's just say, Nylander, Stahl, Bugstead, Eck. I mean, it, it, it's not the Pittsburgh Penguins, but you feel a hell of a lot better Your down the middle than better. you did I agree with a you. year ago or even two years ago. Yep. So I, I'm curious to see who is the guy that they get back for him. But Dumba, who I think is a very prolific goal scorer, obviously, as a defenseman, he is going to be the one that attracts it. And and there's probably going to be something else that's going to be laced in there. I don't know if it's a green way. I don't know if it's another conditional draft pick. I don't know what it is. But I, I, I do think he is more likely to get you that sexier player that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then that also means is like, is Kalen Addison, the guy that got in the Zucker trade, is he ready to jump right in? And he is a right-handed shot defenseman. Shot. And he can generate some offense. I don't I don't think he's Dumba, but that one makes some sense. That one makes sense. I, I agree think, with you. I think Louis Belpedio is someone who, I don't know if he can slide into a top four, but I do think he can be as good, if not better, than Brad Hunt. So like you have you have options. You hate Brad Hunt. I'm just I'm ready to be done with him. Um, I I think you he would, liked him since the day he got here. I didn't. I don't. He's a nice guy, and he likes White Claw apparently. From Mark, as Marcus Foligno told us yeah, a few months ago, he's, he's your guy. Like, he might be a great guy. There's a lot of athletes who I despise that are, on, are, are great guys. Okay, I hate watching Aaron Rodgers, but I love the person Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but you, know? you hate him because he beat your team. Yeah, Brad but, Hunt's on your team, right? And but I, and Brad Hunt is a great individual, but I don't want him on my hockey team. I don't think that's that far. Oh, well, yeah, and he's not a top four guy. No, so I, <laughs> I, I would agree with you on that. I, I think they have such a good depth organizationally at defense that losing Dumba, I think, is not going to be as big of a concern as it would be losing Brodine, too. And I think that's what the organization looked at. Brodine is the steadier option. And you know who loves him? Brodine. Louie. Yeah. Lou who Nanny loves him. <laughs> Lou, I suggested last winter at some point to Louie that Brodine might be good trade bait. I thought he was going to come over the table at me. I thought, I know, I know no, but I mean, I've never seen, like, it's like, are you crazy? I'm like, yeah, he's good trade bait. I mean, he's a really solid player. He's like, that's why you don't trade him. That's why you don't trade him. Exactly. Okay, the one thing about Dumba that scares me slightly. Okay. Say it. Burns. Yeah. Burns. Yeah. I, they're hard to find, man. They, Offensive rare. defensemen are hard to find. They are, and they're and they're they're it right now. They're I said like, slightly too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they're they're the they're the new thing. Right I mean, now. I think he's going to go somewhere. That shooting percentage last year, which we've talked about before on Judd's Hockey Show, was so bad. Yeah. it was almost statistically impossible. I just at some point in time here, those are going to start to go in, and we're going to see uh, box scores or highlights of him in, in Toronto or something, and we're going to be like, wow, that was fun. And look at what offensive defensemen are doing. Like the Stars. The Stars have a bunch of them. They have guys that can jump into the play. Well, they turn them NBA. loose now. And, we and, talked about that, yeah. Exactly. So it's definitely becoming a sexy thing to have is having defensemen that can score. Even the Islanders have guys that can score on the blue line. You know, like they they, they know what they're doing. So Brodeen's, although he set a career high in points, but he still only scored two goals, um, isn't going to be the guy that's going to be on the power play at the point ready to rip it. 
I think the Wild can figure out how to move on from Matt Dumba more than they could move on from Jonas Brody. Do you see uh, Do you see another trade, trade options, draft picks, prospects, current players that I'm missing when, when it comes to trying to get a center? Like on the Wilds organization? Yeah, like, like am I missing something? Because I am, in my head, I'm thinking Dumba has to be traded now to get this player mm-hmm. if you can get that player. Right. Am I missing something on a possible package that doesn't include Dumba? Do you think? From within the wild, I'm sorry. I don't think so. That's not Kaprizov or Fiala. I mean, if you want to, if you want to be ballsy and give up, you know, Matthew Boldy or or even your first round pick this year. But is that going to get you? No. Oh yeah. No, okay. no, no. There, there isn't a single player on this team. Like, here's the one my friend kicked around. Actually, yeah, the reckless. Spe- let me let me fire up some. Reckless oh yeah, you got all the con- you got the controls, my man. You okay. are at the controls. Speculation. How about, and I don't know how they can make this work, but a friend kicked this around. My, uh, Desmond. Desmond Kuhn. Uh, Desmond, a, thank you very uh, much. A friend of Judd's Hockey Show. Thank you, Desmond. He said, what if you package Dumba and Parisi to the Islanders? Okay. Now, both those dudes make a pretty penny. That's like $12 million. So you're basically going to have to match salary in the, in the trade. Yes. You I don't, get... I, you know, Anders Lee just agreed on the deal. Yeah, he's Correct. Not, he's not going anywhere. No, and he's been key to their um, run. And uh, Brock Nelson, I don't think would be going anywhere. But if you're gonna give up, if you're gonna get Zach Parisi, you're gonna have to give up something substantial on your forwards. I don't think Barzell Barzell's off limits. Like Barzell's oh, yeah. their, yeah, their cornerstone. Well, right player. now your friend's talking crazy. Yeah, he is talking. It's reckless so speculation. Give me a, yeah, Lamarillo. Reckless speculation. The Islander GM is not going to so. When they had the deal that was close to fell apart at the deadline for Parisi, mm-hmm. I think that was more of a the Wild got Parisi off their roster and off their hands trade. Right. So I don't know. Now, if you threw in Dumba, it changes the dynamic. But New York's at a place now where they're pretty solid, and I think they'd love to add a guy like Zach to their third line, and yeah. he would definitely help. All of that being said, I don't think that you could leverage Lamarillo for what you're talking about back. And, look, I like Brock Nelson. Toronto makes the most sense, right? Yeah. They need right-handed shot defensemen. That would have been the one, uh, and and they could, they could still get. Nylander could get traded yeah. here. the the one thing The one thing about Nylander that concerns me are, are the reports that he actually is just flat out a better winger than center. Mm-hmm. That concerns me because my God, he gets here, and let's say that's true, and now you've got a problem. But that being said, that list that we ran through decks a couple weeks ago, it's. It's not good. No. Like, like it's not. It's they are they are up centers are upper echelon starting pitchers. Yeah, and like even somewhat like I, Josh Bailey's good, but he's thirty. You know, like yeah, he, I know. He, 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 I I wouldn't be too excited if Josh Bailey was the main cog back in that island. The ama- the amazing thing about the, the thing that I always come come back to, and we'll, we'll get to Jess in a second here. The amazing thing that I come back to, Declan, time and time again. Is how did St. Louis extract Ryan O'Reilly from Buffalo? Because well, Buffalo's a bunch of buffoons. <laughs> At least that that last that was their last straw. That ownership buff. That that's why I'm curious if they actually do move on from someone I mean, like Eichel. They Ryan, might be dumb enough to do it. Think about Ryan O'Reilly being available to you. I know it would have been awesome. I mean, think about how they, that, that's an upper echelon starting pitcher. I love ROR. Yeah, he's, I love our nine. I know. I, I do too. He's a great player. But I mean, th- those guys simply don't get moved. No, they do not. And he's been moved like three times or mm-hmm. twice now. I yeah, think. Colorado and St. Louis and Buffalo. Yeah, he's been around the block, man. Okay, let, block. let's run all this by our friend Jess Myers uh, from the Rink Live and Forum News. Thoughts on Brodine? He covered, of course, Nick Bukestead with the Gophers, Dumba, and uh, also want to talk to Jess about the state of college hockey 
for 2020-21 with the Big Ten deciding today, as we record this on Wednesday, that football will be played in October. Okay, Jess, first thing, your thoughts on the uh, announcement that we got yesterday from the Wild. Jonas Brodine, seven years, uh, $42 million contract. Dex and I were just discussing this, but I got to think that um, there is no way around it now. If Billy Guerin is going to get the center that he wants for next season, um, Matt Dumba almost has to be gone, right? I would think so. I mean, this this makes it tough to keep both of those defensemen because, you know, and and the optics of that are weird right now because Dumba has become such an outspoken figure in social issues and, you know, with the revitalized Lake Street and all of that, that all of a sudden if the Wild move on from him, um, they've got some kind of PR work to do to paint that as, as just a hockey move and not anything else than that. And, you know, certainly – Dumba has been widely supported in this community and in the greater hockey community for his efforts with the Hockey Diversity Alliance and all that. It's just, it seems like a weird timing for me if the Wild decide to move on from him right now. Agreed, but how do you not? That, that's my thing is I, I can't find a way, I can't find a possible trade uh, if Garen can get the type of uh, center that he wants I can't, in my mind, put together a possible trade that doesn't involve him. Like exactly. I don't see, uh, exactly. I don't see. Uh, hey, you know what? Take Greenway and Cunning and uh, call me tomorrow. <laughs> and as as uh, Billy Garen has found out, and he's made it clear in you know some of his meetings with the press, teams don't trade their top two centers. They just don't. <laughs> exactly. Do I mean, there's 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 nobody out there who says, ah, oh, we don't need that guy. You know, the the guy that anchors our power play and all that. <laughs> you know, he, he's you know we, he's expendable. We can find those anywhere. That just doesn't exist in the modern NHL. But I do like the idea of giving uh, Jonas Brodin the extension because he's a nice, safe guy, okay? Nobody's going to be running out and buying a Jonas Brodin jersey as a result of this. Yes. You know, he's just never been that kind of player. But here's my analogy, Judd, and, and, and I think you can follow me here. It's a Vikings analogy, okay? But 1985, Tommy Kramer throws... I think 10 touchdowns and 26 interceptions has just a horrible year. Okay. Mm-hmm. 1986, the Vikings go out and quietly get a guy named Gary Zimmerman who was playing in the USFL. And, you know, Gary Zimmerman's not a marquee guy. You're not going to buy a Gary Zimmerman Jersey, <laughs> but the next year, Tommy Kramer has 24 touchdowns and 10 interceptions and goes to the pro bowl. And I remember Dr. Z or one of those writers in sports illustrated saying just that, that, you know, you're not going to see Gary Zimmerman making a lot of all pro teams, but nobody was more important to his team than Zimmerman was to the Vikings that year quietly in just protecting Kramer, giving him the time to throw. And the analogy is with all of the questions about the wild defensively and the wild goaltending, especially last season, Mm -hmm. you really have to do this. You have to lock up, the quiet, unassuming guy who just plays the puck and breaks it out and, and plays sound defense, even if that's to a contract that I think surprised a lot of people. Jess, do you see someone then, if, if let's say Dumba does go, and do you, do you see someone like Kalen Addison or even like Louis Belpedio being able to step in and essentially fill that void? I mean, Brad Hunt's a nice player, but I, I don't see him jumping into the top four. I, I feel like just depth-wise, too, the Wild have guys and candidates who aren't going to be Matt Dumba, but can definitely replace him and be formidable on the power play and fill the shoes that he's going to leave. Absolutely. And keep in mind, it took Matt Dumba a few years to become Matt Dumba, too. You know, he had potential. He was a high first-round draft pick. Uh, you know, he failed to make Canada's World Junior team that year. I, that one still just bewilders me. You think of what the depth must be in Canada's young defense core eight years ago or whatever it was, that he's not one of your top seven defensemen in the country at that age. But it took him a while to grow into that. 
I'm biased. I'm the college guy. Belpedio was a great player at the University of Miami uh, in, in Ohio. Um, I really think he's kind of that hardworking guy that's going to get a shot in this system if they have an opening created by somebody going. So, Jess, I've, I've seen a, a couple trains of uh, thought mainly on the uh, Twitter machine about the Wild. I'm going to run them past you, and I'm curious where you stand here. Um, but the damning one is, all right, you got Spurgeon signed, no move. Suter, same thing, and and he is a solid player still, but certainly aging. Um, you've got all of these older guys still there. The Wild is, the, the word I saw associated with a roster on Twitter from somebody was fossil. What what type what type of shape in your opinion is this franchise is this franchise in currently? And let's say they do trade Dumba and get a center who opening night next season, whenever that does occur, can be atop the depth chart. What's your assessment of where this franchise is right now, which will be going into year two under Bill Guerin as GM? I, I just think they're at that kind of stuck in the middle point right now. You know, it's funny, uh one of the the national uh, site did a ranking, you know, one through 31 of every team's farm system, every team's prospects, you know, who has the worst, who has the best. And the wild came in at like 15th or 16th, which they said was perfectly appropriate for this team that just kind seems to kind of be stuck right in the middle there. The, the, uh, the picture of mediocrity where they're, they're not good enough to be one of the elite teams in their division or in, in the Western Conference. Uh, but they're, you know, they're never going to be terrible. Uh, they're going to hang in there. Now, uh, 13 months ago or whatever it was, it looked like this was going to be a lousy season with the way they started. It looked like, okay, we're, we're going to tank now. We're going to get a high draft pick. Uh, we're going to see how that all works out. Kind of turned it around, got into the playoffs, yep. you know, made, won one playoff game in that first round and then, you know, went back to doing pretty typical wild things. But, I just think they're really kind of stuck right now. And, you know, Judd, you and I have talked about that for years. You're not bad enough to get a top-five draft pick. You're not good enough to, to get to the second or third round of the playoffs. So where do you go from here? And, and uh, aside from completely blowing it up, which I, I don't think Craig Leopold's ever been wont to do. He's never been one to say, you know what, we've got to completely start over. He's never given the green light to that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where you go from here. Uh, it was interesting to me that at the trade line there was very uh, trade deadline there was very serious talk about moving Zach Parisi that he might accept a trade to the New York Islanders. You have to wonder now with the Islanders making the playoff run they have if uh, if that doesn't look a little more attractive to someone like him. But you know that would obviously be the big move uh, uh, to kind of change the face of this franchise if you were able to somehow move a Parisi or or a Suter or someone of that nature. Yeah, Jess, Judd and I were talking before, too. Outside of Dumba, is there really anyone on this team or in the organization that you you could trade that you could get something back in substance that isn't named Matt Dumba? And I I think him and I are both in agreement. There there really isn't, at least if you're trying to get the top-line center that you're looking for. I think Spurgeon could be... Uh, someone who has that kind of value. I mean, talking to Bruce Boudreaux a year or two ago, talking to others around the league, Spurgeon is just a guy that a lot of people value for the way he plays the puck, for the way he plays with his size. You you might be able to package him with something else to get a top-line center, but I also know nobody wants to get rid of Spurgeon. I mean, they just right. love him in the mm-hmm. locker room. Uh, they, they love him, what he does on the ice, and you know, a good guy in the community, all of that. So uh, I don't see Spurgeon being moved. No move clause, too, though, Jess. Everyone's got. I've got one. I can't be moved. I mean, my really? God, we give those. All, how how does this league of all leagues? Every time a guy signs a contract, 
He he can be from Edina Peewees. He gets a no move. It drives me absolutely crazy. It just completely handcuffs GMs, and, and I guess it's the price of doing business in 2020. But that is one thing about today's game that makes it so much less fun is is the possibility for big trades get killed by the fact that, you know, Matt Zuccarello, no move clause. How the hell does that happen? You know, I've been in Minnesota my whole life, so I've never moved outside this state. But I've got to say, people must really, really just hate picking up and moving. When you think of somebody signing with, like, Buffalo or Ottawa that they insist on a no-movement contract, why wouldn't you want out of one of those places <laughs> right now? That's I'm sorry. There's my shot at the Sabres for what I'm at. Oh, they deserve it. They do. Yeah. They deserve it. No, absolutely. Hey, so what? what's your thought, too, about this one? So you, you bring up a really good point. And I think now it's more true than ever before. Craig Leopold has no interest in blowing this thing up because he needs to move product, right? He needs to move tickets. He needs to move suites. He needs to move jerseys. If you blow this thing up, your fan base says, I'll see you in three years. Um, that that was true at the beginning of 2019-20. We are now in the midst of a pandemic, uh, which I'm guessing that selling suites to corporations becomes tougher. I'm guessing more ticket, uh, more season ticket buyers will drop off. And th- there were certainly some nights in the X uh, this past year before the pandemic hit, yes, where the building was far from full. So he doesn't want to do that. And I get why from a financial standpoint. Bill Guerin, I think, in his conversations in which he won't uh, confirm that Koivu won't be back, has alluded to the fact that he really wants to change the culture of this team. So how interesting do you find the push and pull between owner who wants to keep his team sort of stuck because they're competitive as much as possible, probably not for a Stanley Cup, but they're competitive, uh, with GM who I think looks at the room and looks at Koivu and Parisi and Suter and is like, this has to change. It's a very interesting dynamic from both ends to me. This is a problem in places like Toronto. It's a problem in places like Montreal. It's a problem in places like Minnesota, where the team is wildly popular. They sell a lot of tickets. You see a lot of merchandise on the street. People know hockey. They love hockey. It's part of the culture in the community. And yet the team on the ice is not day in and day out competitive. It always raises the question that is there enough incentive to go out and spend and make a splash when you don't really need to, to, to fill your building and you're always going to have that level of excitement. You know, you think about the Maple Leafs and the fact that they've floundered around for 50 years and yet they're still the most popular thing in Canada in a lot of places. Um, you wonder about that here. And I go all the way back to the end of the, the devastating lockout in 05, mm-hmm. you know, when we had that kind of NHL reset and all of these guys are switching teams and all of these big names are going all over the place. And the Wild really did nothing at that point. Granted, that was a different owner, that was a different GM, but it was like, well, they don't really need to do anything, though, because you open the doors and you've got 19,000 tickets sold. So they're almost kind of a victim of their own popularity. And I can see Craig Leopold's point because he doesn't want to admit that, you know, what we have isn't working. He wants to keep selling guys like Zach Parisi and selling guys like Stahl and, and Brodeen and, and whoever else and saying, Look at this great core we have. You know, I remember prior to the Parisi Suter stuff, them talking up guys like uh, like Koivu as being, you know, this potential NHL superstar. And it, that was just never going to happen. But that's what you have to do in a market to keep people excited, especially in a market like this one where people understand the game and they can see what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just think that Craig's thing is 
Craig can't stand to lose. And to go back to what you said about the start of this past uh, season, Jess, you did think to yourself, okay, they might be terrible, but long-term, that's going to be great. And then, you know, they sort of recover and they make the coaching change and they come back. And, yeah, it's it's, – I think it's two two people with probably different agendas trying to get to the same point, and it makes it difficult. Nick Bukestead, your thoughts on a guy that you certainly covered with the Gophers. He has one year, 5.25 mil left on his deal. It sounds like the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to pay half of that. The price was very small, a conditional yeah. 2021 seventh-round pick with the parameters of the Penguins will get that pick from the Wild. Again, a seventh-rounder. If Bukestad plays in 70 games or scores 35 or more points, this to me seems like a very, very um, good flyer for Garen to take. And if it doesn't work and Bukestad still is hurt and has problems, you know what? Too bad. But I, I like the chance here because if he is successful, it's going to look like a pretty damn good deal for him. You know, and, and the key is this, and I think they may have learned this a little bit with Thomas Vanek when they had all the hype about him coming back to Minnesota. I'm sorry. What, and, <laughs> what, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. What was that name again? Yeah, exactly. It never happened, right? We're, Thank we, you. We erased that from memory. 2020 is um, tough enough, okay? You don't need to bring up Vanek. <laughs> but, but here's the key. Don't oversell it. You know, yeah. uh, be, be honest about the fact that, hey, Bukestad was a great high school player. He was a great gopher. All of that. He won Mr. Hockey. You know, the whole thing, he's coming home, but He's had injuries. You know, he's struggled. He bounced around a little bit from Florida and then to Pittsburgh where it looked like he was going to be, you know, a, a big thing and then uh, had the, the back problems or the neck problems or the things that kind of plagued him there. So, yeah, it's a cool story. He lives in the Twin Cities. They just had their second child. You know, it's, it's cool for him to be back home, all of that, you know. And and what's cool, too, is you're reaching an era now. You know, in, in, in 2003, when guys came back, you know, guys, uh, I'm thinking Mark Parrish, when he came back to play for the Wild in 03, yes. here's a guy who, you know, nobody in that era grew up watching the Wild because they didn't exist back then. They may have grown up watching the North Stars, but now we're in that era where guys have grown up as Minnesota Wild fans in, in this market. So, so that part of it is cool, but I like the fact that they're kind of going into it with realistic expectations and not saying this is a super big deal. You know, they're acknowledging the fact that they didn't give up much to get him, that he's got injury problems, that he's got a, a you know, a ways to go to, to get back to where he was. And if all of that works out, this could be a great story. I'm, I'm kind of reminded of what they did with Saul when they brought him in. There wasn't a ton of hype about Saul coming in because they just didn't know what he had left in the tank. And it turned out to be a fantastic move. So I'm in favor of treating Bugstead the same way. Just, just take it easy. Yeah. Good story, but we'll <laughs> back off. Exactly. Just sort of back exactly. off. I like it. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and too, Jess, if, if indeed Bukestead's back, and look, I, I think everyone kind of slides him as your third-line center. Maybe Eck is your fourth, but, you know, with the way hockey teams are rolling these days, I don't think fourth line is really as damning as it, 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 as it sounds like it used to sound. If, if you get the top-line center down the middle, so let's say it's Nylander for hypothetical reasons, you have Nylander, Stahl, Bukestead, Eck, Man, I, I mean, you're not a powerhouse, but you are significantly improved down the middle from a year ago. Absolutely. You know, and, and we still have to talk about the defense. I mean, we still have to figure out the goaltending. I mean, are you going to 
Are you going to buy out uh, Dubnik, for example? Or, you know, how, how is that going to roll? Because they've acknowledged, you know, goaltending just wasn't good enough. And that kills you. Yeah, that just kills you. Yes. You're, 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 you've got guys letting in soft goals. I mean, you know, you, you remember some of the struggles they had before Dubnik came in and just how bad things were in goal then. And it just kind of rips your heart out. So that part of it has to change still. But, you know, it's, it's like first things first. Okay, we got the defenseman signed. We're going to bring some young guys in. We're going to see about a trade. Then we'll figure out the center thing. Then we'll figure out the goalie thing. And it's just kind of incremental steps here. All right. I'm going to float a goaltending idea by both of you guys. And it's going to sound, it might sound crazy at first, but give it some thought. Okay. I, I want to get as long and as good of a look as I can to possibly having uh, Kakanen be my top goaltender starting next year. But everything I've read basically said he's not prepared for that job yet, which is fine. Absolutely fine. I know we all like Staloc. But it's pretty clear that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be dealt by the Golden Knights. And now his contract is somewhat prohibitive, but he is a great locker room guy. By all accounts, he's a first-class guy. And at his age, he would be, I think, the ultimate guy to pair with a young goaltender who you don't want to play all of the time, but you certainly want to get a good look at. Would you look at, and I'm guessing the price tag in a trade would be pretty small here, given uh, the Golden Knights goaltending situation right now. Starting with you, Jess, would you consider Mark Andre Fleury and Kakinen as your team based on the fact that the veteran could help the young guy develop? That makes Stalock the odd man out, and I like Stalock a lot as a person, but I don't know that it offends me as a GM if I talk about that. I guess I like that idea of having the older mentor to work with the younger goalie. Um, I used to be of the opinion that, hey, you know, people would say, this goalie's too young, you can't throw him in there. And me, as a former bad goalie myself, I would say, hey, you know, the puck is the same size. The shots are coming from the same direction. It's not that much different. Well, Darcy Kemper proved me wrong there. He was obviously shoved into the position before he was ready. You know, that precipitated getting Dubnik, which turned out to be a good move in the long run, all of that. But that was really a lesson that you really can kind of overwork a guy too early in his career. So I like the idea of having the veteran as a mentor for the young guy. I don't know about the flurry idea just because of this. I think you've got a veteran in Alex Stalock that can work with a young goalie and, and kind of show him the ropes and all of that. You know, Stalock is maybe not your every night guy. I don't think, know that he has proved that, but I do think he could be that kind of calming veteran presence for a young goalie. Yeah, I, I'm curious on it, Judd, or, uh, Jess and Judd. I, I feel like both Andre Fleury could be great, and I, I just don't. What I don't want the Wild to do is just give a long term deal to a goaltender. I'm with you on that. You know, like if you want to just do two years of Cam Talbot and, and or, or or Greece and just and and mentor, I'm all for it. If you're asking, would I rather have Talbot or one year of Fleury? Just because I don't think there's anything bad as a one year deal. If so, if you're going to pay Fleury for one year, whatever. Um, I think that might be more beneficial to Kockenham, but I I would be I'd be shocked if both goalies do come back next season in Dubnik and Stalock. That is, I don't I don't see both of them back. I, I no. I, I just think that the, that the Dubnik is is too ripe for a buyout. Um, Garen was was pretty clear in his post season comments that you know he wasn't happy with Dubnik with the way he played and and you know you don't know if there's another gear if there's a second act there or I guess it would be a third act in Devin in Devin Dubnik's uh, situation. Yeah. Um, for him. And, you know, in Dubnik's defense, 
talk about the year from hell. Oh yeah. You know, the, the stuff he went with at home with his, you know, his wife having some illness issues and, and just, you know, not, uh, not playing well on an every night basis. By the end of the season, he had lost his starting job. Um, you know, just, just kind of went through one of those seasons. So you wonder if in a more normal sense, there's a, a potential comeback for him there, but I don't know if they're willing to risk another season on that. So the Flurry contract, 6.5 mil in 2020-21 with a $7 million cap hit. 2021-22, which is his last year, it goes uh, down to a base salary of 6 mil. Cap hit is the same. Uh, so that would intrigue me. The, th- the thing with Dubnik that I will say flat out that I think we've seen, guys, uh, from a playing perspective and from a perspective in the room itself, I don't think he's the guy to pair with the guy who's going to take his job. Like, yeah, maybe. I need maybe. somebody. I need somebody who is understanding. I I can't have Brett Favre here. <laughs> I can't have. But but and and Devin Devin to me, I think he's a good human being. I think he's a good guy. But I also think that if you were to be like, okay, we are transitioning, and you are very much going to be done here soon. Now come in and have a great year. I don't think that plays to his strength, his character strength. And so I'm trying to think like a Staylock or a Flurry. I need somebody who understands that this is all a transition play. Because my goal by the end of 2020-21 uh, is very much for uh, Capo to be the guy and to go into 21-22 with him being my starter and then a backup to him. So I'm trying to get there. I, 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 that's an admirable goal to get there. Um, and, and with what, you know, he's done in Iowa, obviously I think he could be a, a pretty good guy down the road, but, uh, man, that's, uh, that's a tough road to get to. That's all I know. Saying, you know? I know. And, and you got to do it right to, to your point, Jess, about uh, Kemper. You've got to do it right. You can't I love, screw I it up. I love these, like, like little rental goalies that the wild bring in now and then too. <laughs> you know, I mean, Ilya Brizgalov. You know? <laughs> right. And I, and by the way, I think he's still getting paid by the Flyers so yeah. with that contract he signed there or, uh. or the other one. Jose Tador comes in for, you know, about a year, year and a half. Yes. Kind of was the, the spot guy. And again, you know, didn't work long term, but, you know, eh, fun story for a little bit. A, a name everybody knew. Absolutely. Hey, Jess, uh, what, what is the state of college hockey now? And I guess especially the Gophers in the Big Ten with the news that came out today on Wednesday, this morning, that Big Ten football is now going to resume play in October. I, I saw the release, I think it was last week that college hockey was going to be delayed, but what does the football announcement mean for the sport that you uh, cover for the rink live, college hockey? I, I'll be flat out. The the Big Ten football announcement means that we're going to have Big Ten basketball and Big Ten hockey at some point. Okay. Um, you know, that was what everybody was kind of waiting for. Back as far as April or May, Bob Mosco said, we're all watching football to determine if football can play and if they can play, that means we'll be able to play. So, it was tough news a month ago or so when football says, yeah, we're not going to do it this year. We'll, we'll try again in the spring. It was like, oh, boy, that's not good. Um, because, let's face it, the Big Ten is a football conference. Yes, basketball is a big deal. Yes, they pay some attention to sports like hockey and wrestling and women's basketball. But football drives absolutely everything in the Big Ten. That has been one of kind of the struggles, I guess, with Big Ten hockey is the fact that you're now in a multi-sport conference as opposed to the other college hockey conferences where college hockey is their only thing. You know, college hockey in the Big Ten has to compete for the attention of everything else. But back to the main point, the fact that we're going to play football means that at some point we will play hockey. Now, when that happens, we don't know. If I were a betting man, I would guess around Thanksgiving we're going to have the start of the college hockey season. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still don't know if that will be conference only. 
if there will be room for some non-conference games. There has been talk of bubbles among conferences, you know, Grand Forks or Omaha being a site where all of the NCHC teams would play, possibly Notre Dame or somewhere like that being a place where all of the Big Ten teams would play. I don't know if that idea is going to come to fruition because it's just too tough as far as expenses and having you know students outside of where they're used to being. Uh, I would see more of kind of a regional model happening mm-hmm. where you would have you know the five teams in Minnesota plus North Dakota, maybe Wisconsin, play each other on a pretty regular basis. So you're not getting on airplanes, you're traveling by bus, a little safer, things like that. The other big question, and Bob Mosco keeps talking about this, and it's a good point, is he said, we've got to move the Frozen Four back, let's say, six weeks. Let's have the Frozen Four start on, like, June 1st or something like that, because that way we can play a full 34-game regular season and a full playoff if we can move the Frozen Four back. If you still have to have the Frozen Four on the second week of April, you're going to have to condense your your schedule somehow. You're not going to be able to play 34 games or, or something that they're used to. Jess, uh, as much as the it's fun, and I love the idea of the Minnesota regional uh, tournament and, and putting people in, in your own regional bubbles, if you will, but is that not just going to open up back the can of worms of, can you just bring back the old WZHA? Like, I, I'm all for the relocation and Minnesota teams playing each other, but I feel like the college hockey uh, world and the, and the Big Ten hockey haters, as you and I both know, um, would just be relishing the fact that it's basically the old WZHA. You uh, you asking if that would reopen that? I don't know that that's ever been. You know? <laughs> Thank you. I, Thank I, you I, are I, correct. I, I you know how many how many tweets a week do we see that I miss the old WCHA? Now, the place that idea falls apart is you had the Mariucci Classic in Minneapolis last uh, you know during the holidays. You had the Gophers. You had Minnesota State, Mankato. You had the Midgie State, and you had St. Cloud State. You had the old WCHA on the ice in Minneapolis with affordable tickets, and they got you know seven, six thousand, something like that, who showed up. So, as I said in a podcast rant back then, if you're one of those I miss the old WCHA whiners, and you did not show up to that tournament, you are never allowed to whine again because we gave you the old WCHA and you didn't buy a ticket for it. So, pipe down. I realize that times are tough financially, but this does seem like a very good time if and when uh, college hockey does begin, Jess Myers, at least locally here at uh, Mariucci Arena, to slash ticket prices accordingly to get fans back. Like, make yourself the most affordable sport in town. Because I do think, I think that financially, in a town with a ton of options and sports uh, to go to, and and now the, the dollar spread more thin than it's ever been before. This would be a heck of a time for Mark Coyle and, and the folks at the U to say, let's make Gopher Hockey the most affordable ticket in town, because I think a lot of families probably at that point in time would, would say, if we're going to take Junior to a game of some sort, this probably makes the most sense, because I don't think the Wild is going to slash prices, and I certainly know the Vikings won't. I think this is really a, an opportunity for Gopher Hockey to assert itself on the map with youngsters. I've made this comparison before, but Ohio State University, which is you know one of the bigger athletic departments in the country and, and a rival of the Gophers on the ice in the new Big Ten Hockey Conference, uh, every ticket at their hockey games at, at uh, Value City Arena in Columbus is $10 and parking is free. 
Uh, Gopher yep. hockey, you're paying seventy five dollars a ticket face value. Yep. Uh, some nights, you know, parking is going to run you twenty to thirty dollars depending on where you park near the arena. It's a much less affordable sport than in other markets, and especially in a market where you know you're not the big show in the Twin Cities. If you're in Grand Forks, North Dakota, or if you're in Duluth, Minnesota, college hockey is the end all be all mm-hmm. of the sport's existence, and it's just never going to be that way here with the four major professional uh, sports in town. Plus, you know, go for football, go for basketball, some other things that kind of suck a lot of the air out of the sports balloon. So I like that idea. Here's what's holding that idea back. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a season ticket holder base of three, four, five thousand people who have bought season tickets for go for hockey in advance. If you suddenly slash prices, do you have to give some of that money back? That's that's where it really yeah. sticks with athletic department folks is, is do you wind up giving money back that's already been paid and that's tough to do. The answer to your question is probably yes, um, but I would say who cares at, at this point in time. Re, this is the time, uh, both good and bad, this is the time to redo the wheel of sports. It really is. And, and look, go for hockey at its core. I, I think Dex would agree. I think, Jess, that you would agree, is a fantastic product. Like, it can be really good. It can be a ton of fun. And, like, the product is not its not bad now. It's not like, well, 15 years ago the product was great and now it sucks. This is still good hockey. This is still fun. I think it's time that this school takes a long, hard look at reinventing the wheel of how it approaches this sport to to eventually get back financially. Because you know what? It's just it's so sad to see that building empty uh some nights, not all, but some. And I think there's ways to work around it. And I really think the pandemic is the starting point of make it the most affordable ticket in town because I think if people go back and it, it's a reasonable price, I think they're gonna stay. I really do. I might be wrong, but that's my sense. You know, you're never going to get an argument from me that college hockey isn't a fantastic product. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm a college hockey addict. But it's interesting in recent weeks and recent months, a couple of the interviews I've done, Mike Chandler, who was the Gopher Hockey ticket manager for more than 20 years, just retired. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he, he's gone from a time where 3M Arena at Mariucci was a new facility. There was no professional hockey in town. Yep. And you had 5,000 people on a waiting list for season tickets for Gopher Hockey. Obviously, that's long gone. But he said... I don't think there are any fewer Gopher hockey fans than there ever were. He said, you know, you don't meet a lot of people who say, I used to follow the Gophers religiously and now I just don't care for them. That's not out there. It's just the way people consume sports has changed so much with TV coverage and and big TVs with replays. And, you know, it's a cold night on a Friday and I don't want to fight traffic and go down to the arena. I'll just stay home and watch the game here. You know, all of that has really changed the way sports is consumed and that's not a gopher hockey problem that's a college sports problem um yes that in Duluth, football umb football UMB's too you're last, right yeah umb's won the last two national championships 10 years ago when they were still pretty mediocre or 15 years ago they had a 2,000 person waiting list for season tickets now they're not necessarily even selling out you know some of their home games hmm. they uh, they played the gophers last year which you know you used to not be able to get a ticket for that for, for to save your life wasn't sold out even up in Duluth with the Gophers in town and the and the, the Bulldogs, you know, winning two national championships in a row, all of that. So it's a college sports thing as much as it is anything else. And, and 
you're right. This is the perfect time to completely kind of blow up the way we do sports. I mean, change, you know, change arenas if you have to, drop ticket prices, make things more affordable and more accessible for people because what do you have to lose at this point? Exactly. Last thing, how do you feel 27 years after the fact that the Dallas Stars, (laughs) our former club, are in the Stanley Cup Finals? You know what a really sad day was for me about three, four years ago? I was watching the NHL draft, and Riley Tufty, who was a Mr. Hockey winner out of Blaine, he was going to Minnesota Duluth. He wound up winning a couple of national titles with the Bulldogs. He gets drafted by the Dallas Stars. And, man, that just kills me because I love Riley Tufty. He's a great guy, but it's like, well, I can't be your fan anymore. <laughs> so like, I, I just can't. You know? I, that, that, that's so tough. You know, fr- friends of mine like Derek Plant, who was a member of the Stars team when they won the Cup back in 99, it's like, you know, I love Derek Plant, but it's like, eh, I wasn't real happy to see that. I just – uh, call me a bitter Minnesota. Do you still care? Fan. You you sound like you still care. I you know I just I've never gotten over it. And you know what's funny is you can't blame the people in Dallas. You know it's not like Dallas was clamoring to take our hockey team away. It's not like there was a huge hockey community in Dallas who said we we need to get a team. Okay. Okay. It was an owner who didn't like it here who saw greener pastures and he called up you know Roger Staubach and said hey, I'm going to bring an NHL team down there. And Sabak went, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll take that. Sure, why not? You know, and it's been relatively successful down there. Like a lot of places, they're playing in an arena that's probably too big for them now, and they don't sell out like they once did. They've won a Stanley Cup. You know, goodness knows they, they could win four more games and get another one now. But I just will never get over the fact that, you know, that somebody thought it was a good idea to take a hockey team out of Minnesota and put it in Texas. I, I, I don't know that I'll ever get over that. Here's the weird thing. I feel nothing. I feel I'm numb. I'm absolutely numb. And I don't know if it's because I care. So I, I, I've, I have uh, sheltered my, myself and, and I am a rock. I am an island. I don't know if it's because I really just don't care, but I'm just numb to it. I'm just, it, it feels the jerseys to me are ugly. The franchise is unrecognizable. There's nothing about it that I, I don't even see them as, as an extension of the team that left. And the scariest thing is that the Minnesota North Stars were here from 67 to 93. That's 26 years. They are now in their 27th year in Dallas. In other words, they have now been in Dallas longer than they were here, which to me is unfathomable, but it's the truth. And I am just numb to the entire thing. And and the weird thing is, it's not like I've become this huge wild fan. So, like, if I had replaced them, it makes more sense. But I really haven't. I mean, the Wild's fine. I watch them. I cover them. I like them enough, I guess. At times I don't. But I don't have a passion for them. I It's just, I got to imagine that, that there are possibly just, that there are possibly some um, Brooklyn Dodger fans from back in, in the day who eventually felt like I feel, which is the L.A. Dodgers were unrecognizable to the Brooklyn era. That's the only way I can sort of rectify it in my mind. I think that's changed. You know, and I go back to 1988, if you'll remember, in the Dodgers' incredible run to the World Series that year with Oral Hershiser, you know, seemingly never leaving the mound. Hold on. They played the Mets in the NLCS that year, and there was a lot of talk and a lot of stories that year about, you know, the Dodgers going back to, to, to Brooklyn or going back to Queens, I guess in this case, to play the Mets and, you know, all of these longstanding bitterness. You hear almost none of that anymore. And you know, I think about the Dallas Stars. 
you know, in 2000, 2001, 2002, when the Dallas Stars would come here to play the Wild, it was a big deal. And you would hear the Norm Green sucks chant inside Exo Energy Center. And, and you know, a lot of memories of, of some of these guys. And now it's just another game. You know, it's just it's just another team with some really bad green jerseys coming to town. The jerseys are <laughs> awful, but the jerseys are offensive. Oh, like, wait, like it, this is what's the great a great name and the logo is great. And you buffoons have this as your jersey now. Sorry. Yep. And and Thanks I always tell people too, if you want a Dallas Stars kind of like jersey with those colors and green and black and all that, but one that looks much better. Call up Bill Lechner at Hill Murray. Get one of his jerseys because they do it much better. Hundred percent. Do that look better than anybody. Hundred percent. And guess what? Too bring back Cooperalls. <laughs> bring back the Cooperall. The eighties were defined by the Cooperall, baby. <laughs> The Flyers had them, Whalers, and every <laughs> high school hockey team that I watched, I think, besides, like, Gorg's Burnsville team wore the damn Cooperalls. Oh, no, Burnsville wore them for a while, too. My Did wife they? went there, <laughs> and her, friends of hers who were on the hockey team said they hated them because they were black, and, you know, the, the, the legs would kind of flare out a little bit. Yes. you look down, and you see these black pants, and you couldn't see the puck. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because, because you you know you yeah. look down and all you see is black. Wow. You don't necessarily see the puck. I didn't it mixes in with your, <laughs> your skates and your pant legs. Yeah, there there was something incredibly wrong about the big bad Broad Street bully Flyers wearing Cooperalls. Like Bobby but, Clark in, in Cooperalls. Again, in my head, it didn't make sense. But that I tell you, that's the greatest thing when you look at the state tournament pictures from eighty three, eighty four, eighty five. That era. Oh, I love that era, man. You know, Bloomington Jefferson or Henry Sibley or or Hill Murray mm-hmm. or Burnsville. You know, wearing the long pants out there. Oh man, what 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 a moment in hockey fashion! That and those uh, Vancouver Canucks jerseys from that era, man. Oh, the uh, flying the, V. All those are great. The flying V. The, the early eighties. Oh God, the flying V. Oh, the the oh, only jersey that that to me rivaled the flying V in the National Hockey League was. Those Houston Astros, multicolored—I don't oh, even know yeah. how you describe them. Oh yeah, yeah it, they, they, it looked like they were stoned. Right. Yep. Yep. The Taco Bell uniforms. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. <laughs> Thanks, Jess Myers. Great stuff. Talk to you later. Good stuff. See Bye. You Check out Jess's stuff. Uh, the Rink Live and Forum News. His uh, his day job is covering college hockey, but he certainly stays in touch with uh, the National Hockey League, the Wild, and high school hockey, as you just heard there as well. Declan, final thoughts. You you probably don't care about the Dallas Stars, so I I, won't I, uh, burn you with I, that. I I don't like them. I don't like them one bit. But do you not like them because they move from here? Or do you not like them because I, they're a rival a of the factor. Wild? I just I don't like watching them play. I, no, there's I'm something not wrong about them that I on just the jerseys, don't like right? It. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. The jer- what what is up with? I mean, how can you have it's How can you have the heritage that they have mm-hmm. from the North Stars days and like it's just some ugly? It, their, jer- their their white jersey to me looks like a practice jersey. Yeah, so no, it's-, it's all awful. And then you know there was like they've been through phases where like remember the steer, remember the steer. Yeah, was, one? yeah, no. What the hell was that? They've never done a jersey. I don't think they've done a jersey since they moved there in ninety three, ninety four. That I like. And I know the writing on the wall and the North Stars left is when they just the jar- this jersey just became stars. The stars, yeah, North. And I, I hate to be this guy. I kind of like those. I don't like. I don't think those are that bad. I well, like they're way ones. better than, than what they've done. Yeah. I like those ones. Yeah, I, I believe it was um, their former Hall of Fame legendary broadcaster, Al Shaver, said, I knew the year that they went to the star, they were gone. They were gone. Like yeah. you could tell. Cause, and the, the end was so damn good, too. Mm-hmm. Like who would, unless you were going to move that franchise, right. who would look at the end and be like, you know what, we need to get rid of the end. Yeah. Like, no, you don't. They're, they're hideous. All right, we're done. Declan, final thoughts? Or, or statement, I should say? Pass shoot score. That's it, yeah. Bye. Okay. 
Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.